we love to study the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all scripture is theonostos. It means, uh, the Greek means it's breathed out by the Lord, it's for our profit, it's for our instruction, and it's to teach us. So when you come to church on Sundays, we're coming to honor the Lord, because you know the Bible says we shouldn't forsake the fellowship of believers, but we're coming to honor the Lord, we're coming to bring a sacrifice of praise, and we have spoken, we've given him praise, and now we want him to speak to us through his holy word. Amen? So turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. This morning I'm teaching verses 23 through uh, 37. Chapter, uh, verse 23 through 37. And let's, let's, let's read some passages. Let's read some scripture starting at verse 23. And when they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word as we study it this morning, Father. Bring it to life. Make it living and active, as uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, and feed our souls as we study it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen and amen. Question for you this morning. Have you ever been in a situation where it was difficult to talk about your faith? I don't know about you, but I have. Where I felt the pressure, I, I felt the awkwardness, and I found it very challenging, maybe at work or somewhere out in the community where it was hard to bring up the subject of Christ. Maybe it was because you didn't know what to say, or maybe it was because you felt intimidated by the people, of, people that were there. But what we're talking about this morning is what we need as Christians, and what I'm focusing in on is one word, and that word is boldness. We need boldness in our walk with Christ. Boldness is having confidence and, and, and having courage in our witness for Jesus Christ. The Bible is loaded with plethora of examples in the New Testament of how the disciples went out and they had boldness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Synonyms for boldness, confidence. We need to have confidence in, in our witness, in our relationship with Christ, in our witness to the world. We need to have courage in our witness to the world. We need to be courageous. Family, we serve the God of this universe. The creator who spoke, his hand said, and the universe came into existence. He spoke and the worlds came into existence. His son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is seated at his right hand. That Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We need to have courage to speak for him. Another word, um, synonym for boldness is strength. We need strength. Because even as Christians, sometimes we grow weary and we need the strength of the Lord in our souls so that we can move forward in our walk and in our witness. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Friends and family, we need to be bold as a lion Thus saith the Lord in his word and our witness for Jesus Christ. We have the words of eternal life. We have the words of how to find new life in Christ. 
And we need to be bold in that. Be kind, bold, gentle, compassionate. Not arrogant, not haughty, not judgmental, but just speak it with clarity and speak it with truth. So this morning in our verse-by-verse study, we are descending down into the middle of Acts chapter 4. So I want to give you context if you weren't here last Sunday. Context. God heals a man who had been lame from birth. Peter uses this healing as a springboard to preach the gospel at the portico of Solomon. The Sanhedrin come along. They hear Peter's preaching in the name of Jesus, and they hate it. So what do they do? Lock them up and throw away the key. They put them in jail. And the next morning, they command Peter and John to shut your mouth, to stop preaching. In chapter, I don't, I don't have it on the slide, but in your Bibles, look at chapter 4, verse 19. Look at verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. There was courage. There was strength. There was confidence in these disciples. you got to understand, the Sanhedrin, they were the religious elite of the day. They could impose a lot of pressure on people. But Peter and John experienced this victory in the face of the religious opposition. They speak the word of God boldly, and they say this, we will not be quiet. Okay? So they had a victory. They were bold. They were confident. They were courageous. They had strength. And now, in verse 23 of our our verse of our study, they head back to the fellowship. They head back to the church. Not just, I could just see them heading back to the church. They just have such joy in their hearts. You know, when you experience spiritual victories in life, victory over temptation, victory over sin, victory in our confidence and our walk with Christ, it brings a sense of joy in our hearts. It's like a victory. And what we need to do in this life is we need to build on those victories. We need to build on those victories. And that's exactly what takes place here in Acts chapter 4. So let's take a look at it. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, And when they had been released, they went to their companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So the disciples, the companions is the local church. The disciples go back to the fellowship of believers and they give testimony. They give testimony to what the Lord had done and how they did not bow in the face of pressure to the Sanhedrin or the Sadducees. You know, the local church, that was 2,000 years ago. Today, the local church needs to be a place where Christians go for fellowship. We need each other. You need the encouragement that takes place on Sunday mornings when we're here together and we're rubbing shoulders. It's just that seeing each other eye to eye. It's that fist pump. It's that handshake. It's that being there for each other. It lifts you up, family. It gives you strength for a new day. Secondly, uh, we need to go to st- come here to study the Word. At Calvary Chapel, we're deeply committed to expository teaching, and we, we spend our time studying the Word, and we want to study the Word. But also, according to this verse right here, the church is a place to come and share your testimony. It's a place to come and tell other believers in Christ what God has done for you in your life. I love nothing more 
than when one of you guys pull me aside and say, Pastor David, can I tell you what the Lord has done in my life? Can I tell you what the Lord has done in my family? Can I tell you what the Lord has done in my children? I will stop what I'm doing, and I will give you my full undivided attention and say, speak. Let me hear what the Lord is doing. Because sometimes God's not always, it doesn't seem like God's always moving in our life. Sometimes he's moving mightily, but sometimes it's when we see other believers, uh, God moving in their life, and they give us those testimonies. It gives us encouragement, and we need that. So I love it when you share your testimonies. Please uh, feel free to grab me or grab another brother or sister in Christ and share your testimony. In the same way John and Peter did with the early church here in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Verse 24 says, and when they heard this, I love this. I mean, it, it just takes you back to the scene. Look at this. They didn't just say something. They just didn't recite something. They just didn't say a creed or say some liturgical prayer. It says, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Can you just hear the triumph in that? They lifted their voices to God with one accord. They were all together. Peter and John show up, share with them what's going on, and they just all celebrate. The early church celebrated this victory together. The body of believers lifted up their voices with Peter and John in one accord. I call this a victory shout, a hymn of praise. Uh, look what God has done. Let's exalt his name together. Let's sing a song. Let's say a prayer together, and let's celebrate what the Lord has done. Friends and family, today, that was 2,000 years ago, today we need to celebrate triumphs. We need to celebrate our victories when you experience a victory in Christ or you experience a triumph in life, you need to share it with your brothers and sisters. Share it with your pastor. Text me. Email me. Pull me aside at church. And let's celebrate what Christ has done in our lives. Um, there, there's a lot of things that we can fear in this life. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that can cause us to fear. Opposition to, to Christianity a disease, a, a conflict in our life. But no matter what you face, whether it's opposition to your Christian faith, a disease or conflict, in Christ, God replaces our fear with courage. I speak to you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're facing a fearful situation, a, dear, a, a, a hard situation, you know, I just encourage you and just... Speak faith into your life and say, put your trust, put your confidence in Christ and let faith arise. Let courage arise. Let confidence arise. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every good knowledge of him in every place. And the key word in verse 14 is, is the word before leads us in triumph in Christ. How often does he lead us in triumph? Always. He always leads us in triumph. The Lord Jesus Christ always, when we place him first and we follow him, he leads you in triumph, praise the Lord. When you follow Christ Jesus, he will lead you to victory. 
Victory over the spiritual forces of darkness. Victory over the power of sin. Victory in your walk with God. And victory in overcoming your fears. Take hold of that. It's there for the taking in your relationship with Christ. Confidence, courage, strength over fear, doubt, unbelief, and all the other things that come our way. Let faith arise. And then look at verse 24. I want to cut, we cut in verse 24 in half. Um, and we heard this, they lifted up their voices with one accord. And the second half of verse 24 says, And they said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Here they are quoting uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. And the thing I want to draw out of this verse in our study of the word is that phrase, O Lord. You see that in the very beginning? O Lord. There are two Greek words translated Lord in the New Testament. The most common is kurios, and it means one who is in authority. This is not kurios. This is not kurios. This is despoite. Despoite. Say that one more time. Say despoite. Despoite. This means uh, master, most high, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The disciples in the first century, after they won this victory, I imagine they were out there outside of the Solomon Portico, outside the temple, and they were looking up at the vast heavens, and they were like, Oh, Lord God, you made all this. That's how big our God is. Every day when you go outside, look up at that beautiful burning sun that's 900 million miles away in this beautiful it's glorious it's just the perfect right distance from the earth so that we don't freeze or we don't get uh fried but it's perfect and god made that and then what happens is nighttime is actually not nighttime scientifically it's actually the earth is orbiting and it's going around so when the earth orbits you're actually given a front row view to the universe at night you're actually looking out into the heavens, and you're looking at all the stars. Have you ever wondered how many stars are in the universe? How many stars are out there? Second century Roman mathematician, Ptolemy, counted 1,056 stars in the universe. The Greek astronomer, Hipparchus, counted 1,022. John Kepler, in the 17th century, he only counted 1,005 stars in the universe. Then on March 7th, 2009, the United States launched the Kepler Space Telescope at a cost of $550 million. That's a lot of money. But they, they launched the Kepler Space Telescope, and the Kepler Space Telescope recorded 530,000 stars they've documented in the universe out there. Okay, that was 2009. In my studies this week, I went and looked. And as of 2023, the, the number of stars, the estimated number of stars is, you ready for this? 10 billion trillion. That's how many stars surround planet Earth and our universe. 10 billion trillion. They could have just gone to the Bible I don't have the verse right now, but it's written in the Old Testament. 
it says that the number of stars in the universe is innumerable. They can't be counted, there's so many. So give it 10 years and that number will double. Okay, but here's the point. God knows every single one of those stars in the universe. 10 billion trillion is the number I found in my research. And he knows every single one. Psalm 147 verse 4 says this. He counts the number of the stars and he gives names to all of them. That's what the word says. That every single star in the universe, God has a name for. Now, don't ask me what the names are. I have no idea. But he has names for every single star, every single planet, every speck of dust uh, or dirt on, on the planet Mars. He knows it all by detail. And the disciples in Acts chapter 4, as they're going back to the church, they are having this revelation. They heard the scriptures. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they are just amazed, and they are blown away. Now, how does that relate to our boldness? Here it is, family. Our boldness, what we're studying this morning, it comes from knowing that the God who made every star in the heavens, the, the one who made those 10 billion trillion stars, calls me his child. Because I trust in Jesus. Okay? So, knowing that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, knowing that God is the creator of all those stars, all those planets, all those galaxies. And by the way, I'm a young earth guy. I don't believe we've been around very long. But he created it all. And he calls it all. He has a name for everything. He is sovereign and he is in control. And when I look how big the heavens are and how majestic and huge the universe is what is mere man i'm not going to fear man i'm going to fear god because god is a whole lot bigger let's continue verse 25 verse 25 says who by the holy spirit through the mouth of our father david your servant said why did the gentiles rage and the people devise futile things okay 2,000 years ago, people were ignorant. Today, people are, are, are ignorant. God is so big, is so powerful, and man is so small and so tiny. And yet, man fights against God. He, he fights against God. Why does the world fight against God. It says, why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? Why does the world fight against God? The reason they fight against God is because it is a part of our sinful nature. We've been affected by the fall. We've been affected by sin. We are corrupted by sin. And by nature, man in his fallen state rebels against God. He fights against God. We call this Pride. Pride. And it's pride because we don't like being told what to do. God speaks to the universe. It moves at his command. He speaks to the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, and they all move at his command. And then he, he speaks to man, and man says no. Because we're sinful, fallen creatures 
And what we need is to be born again, where we have a soft heart, and we say, yes, Lord, I will. I will obey you. I will follow you. In verse 25, it says, uh, look at the very end of it. He's quoting scripture. He says, the people devise, devise futile things. The Greek there is meleteo kinos. It means, that, that phrase to devise futile things, it means to plot in vain, to be empty-headed, to be devoid of truth. Friends, this is the state of a person's mind who fights and rebels against God. They are empty-headed. They have no common sense. You cannot fight against the God of the universe. He will win. He will prevail. He will triumph because he is sovereign. He is sovereign. But we still fight. Man still fights. And God still shows us grace. We deserve judgment, but he offers us love. He offers us grace. He offers us mercy. He offers us forgiveness to the creatures, to the one part of creation that rebels against him. He offers mankind grace through Christ Jesus. Look at, look at verse 26. And the kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Here, the disciples, remember this is still part of that prayer. This is still part of that gathering. They lifted up their voices to the Lord. Here, they are praying or possibly singing, uh, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And this is describing the, the, the world rulers coming against Jesus. And he's going to explain it in detail the next verse. Look at the next verse. Next two verses we'll go through. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, Verse 28, this is huge. This is, verse 28 is huge. To do whatever your hand, your purpose, predestined to occur. Again, who is in charge of this world? God is. God is sovereign and God is in control. You know, Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, Israel, you, me, Every people. But here, in the context, they all plotted against Jesus in the first century. They wanted him dead. They wanted to kill Jesus. But what did they accomplish in crucifying Christ? The perfect plan of God. Their, 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 their plans were thwarted by the sovereignty of God. And even in their evil plans, taking Christ to the cross to crucify this criminal outside the city, to put him away, to put him out there in the valley of Gehenna so his body could rot. They wanted him dead. And in that crucifixion, they accomplished God's perfect will, which was for Jesus to make the perfect sacrifice for our sin so that we could be forgiven. It does no person or any nation, any good to go against their creator. You plan against God, you go against God, you rebel against God. You will suffer loss, 100%. God never loses, and his plan always prevails. What the ungodly world, 2,000 years ago and today, fails to realize is that God is sovereign, and he 
Even God will overrule man's evil plans and man's evil way. And God will ultimately prevail. And bringing it back to our study, that gives us boldness. That gives us boldness because God is sovereign. God is in control. And no man can thwart his plans. So it's like you get on the train or get off the train. The train is going to its destination. I don't know about you, but I want to get on the train. And I want to proclaim with Christ and and with the 2,000 years of Christianity that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. And knowing that God is sovereign over the universe, man, can you imagine if it was up to us to make the earth orbit? Good luck with that one. Or to make the perfect mixture of air, oxygen, I think it's 22% they say for us. God is sovereign. God is preserving us. God is keeping us. And because he is keeping us and because he is sovereign, we can have confidence in our faith. Humble, loving, kind confidence. Not arrogant, not prideful, not boastful, but humble confidence that Jesus Christ is Lord. His plan will prevail. Let's look at verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservant may speak your word with all confidence. Now, what I want you to notice in verse 29 is notice in the face of adversity, the disciples do not pray. Lord, please give us new leaders who will think like we do and make life easier on Christians. No, they don't pray that. They pray, Lord, in the face of adversity... In the face of threats, verse 29, give us confidence to speak your word and to not be silent. Friend, it is our job in a spirit of compassion, in a spirit of truth, in a spirit of grace to tell people what the word of God says. To just use the word in our witness. You know, when we speak our words, they may be effective, they may not be effective. But when you speak the word of God, it is powerful and it is effective. And when they lay their head on their pillow at night and they think about eternity and they think about God, they will remember what the word of God says. Isaiah the prophet says this, Isaiah 55, 11. So will my word by which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent. Our job, family, is, is, is simple, to be quite honest with you. Salvation is of the Lord, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that converts. It's God who changes the heart. Our job is to simply to scatter the seed, spread the word, and let the Holy Spirit water the seed in their hearts and help them grow in their faith with Christ. That's our job, just to speak it. But we need to have confidence. We need, don't need to come across as being scared or intimidated. We don't need to come across as being arrogant or haughty either, but spiritually mature and and humble in speaking the truth in love. Look at verse 30. I love this. This is a good one. You got to reach into these verses in your personal devotion time and your study and grab nuggets. Grab nuggets and study those nuggets. Look at verse 30. While you extend your, here it is, hand to heal. 
He says that in the scriptures. While these are people rebelling against God. This is Peter preaching about grace. And in the midst of their iron fist rebellion, he says, while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. I love verse 30 because it talks about healing. It talks about healing. God will extend his hand of healing. Verse 30, to anyone who will genuinely repent of their sins, trust in Christ, and open their heart to his healing. God will heal the damage caused by sin. Got a video for you. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. Family, Jesus saves is our message. Jesus saves, Jesus delivers, Jesus heals, Jesus restores, Jesus transforms us into new creations. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There is no life darkened by sin that he can't turn into light and give them freedom. There is no sin greater than the verse 30, than the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring it back to boldness. That gives us boldness in our witness for Jesus. We give people hope. We give people love. We, we give people freedom through the Lord Jesus Christ. And knowing that Jesus heals gives us boldness. We have the answer and is found in our personal relationship with Christ Jesus. And he causes us to grow in his beautiful and there's no one on planet Earth that's outside the capability of being forgiven, healed, restored. He is, he is there for us to transform us and change us and save us and deliver us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Be encouraged. You know somebody that's hurting? Do you know somebody in a difficult situation? Who, who bring them hope bring them hope in Christ because he's mighty to save <clears throat> verse 31 
And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. I love this verse too. I love every verse if you haven't figured it out by now. But God shook the foundation. What if we were having church in here and all of a sudden, this place just started shaking? Would it grab your attention? It would grab my attention. I'd be looking for things falling. Be careful. But God shook the foundation. He shook the foundation of the, Holy, of the church. And the Holy Spirit gave the disciples this new found boldness to proclaim the gospel in the face of opposition. They were not ashamed. And friends and family, bringing it back to boldness. You're going to go home thinking about boldness today. Every Christian needs the same boldness if we are going to have an impact on this world. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11 through 12 says, This was in accordance with the eternal purposes for which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have, what does Paul say? Boldness and confident access through faith in him. Again, the theme of this text of scripture is confidence, boldness, and strength in the face of adversity. Boldness comes, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, it comes through faith in Christ Jesus. A, a surrendered faith, a humble faith, a faith that says, I love you, Lord, more than anything. That's where our boldness comes from. Boldness also comes, context of the passage, what was said earlier at the Solomon of Portico when they raised their voices. Uh, boldness comes from understanding, this is my father's world. Do you know that, family? You're, you are living in your father's world. We are not the product of random chance and, and evolution and Big Bang. That's a fairy tale for grown-ups. The truth is God created the heavens and the earth, and God created you, and that gives us confidence. Therefore, I can speak the name of Jesus, and I can preach the gospel whenever I want, wherever I want, because this is my Father's world. This is God's world, not man's world. We are living in his aquarium, if you, if you want to call it that. We're living in his world, okay? And we're connected to him, with him through Christ Jesus. Uh, boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwelling in our hearts, the Spirit, produces boldness. You know, and I think it's very appropriate to, say, to pray to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you know what I've got to face today. You know what's going on in my life. Maybe you want to witness to someone, or maybe you're facing a difficulty with your family, or maybe you're facing something difficult medical-wise. medical, medical wise. Pray. Pray fervently in the morning and ask the Holy Spirit to give you boldness, confidence, and strength for whatever may be coming your way today, this week, or in this life. When we face difficulties and we face challenges, let those be opportunities of faith. Let those be opportunities to call out to the Lord and give us boldness by the power of his Holy Spirit. And of course, the, uh, the, this passage here, the, the disciples are quoting from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. So we can also make application here that boldness comes through the word of God. Boldness comes from knowing it is true, knowing that Jesus will save, deliver, and heal every heart that comes to him. 
when we close the service, I'm going to pray for your boldness. I'm going to pray for my boldness that we rise up and we have strength, courage, and boldness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's finish it up, verses 32 through 36. It says, In the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common and property to them. So Luke is shifting gears here from this boldness and this prayer and this victory uh, prayer praise to now just talking about the, the, the state of the church. And what I want you to see in verse 32 is it says what? Look at it. They were one heart and soul. They were not divided. They were not divided. They were on one mission, and that mission was to serve Christ. And verse 33 says, And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Abundant grace was upon them all. Again, great power, that's talking about the, the Spirit. The Spirit was working in a supernatural way in, in the life of the apostles as they were witnessing, and they were ex- experiencing a tremendous outpouring of miracles. Wait till we get to next week where Peter passes by and his shadow touches the, uh, the sick and bam, they are healed. God is performing all kind of miracles. And verse 33 also says, they were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They could not get this off their mind, hearts, and tongues. They were preaching Christ risen from the dead. And friends and family, you and I today, we preach the gospel because Jesus rose from the grave. We preach Christ crucified and risen for us and for the world. Verse 34, and there was not a needy person among them. All who were owners of land and houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. Can you just hear the love? Can you just sense the love in the early church? They saw a need in the body. They said, oh, we got to help them. They saw somebody suffering. we got to help them. What an amazing benefit it is to be a part of the local church, to have brothers and sisters in Christ that you can run to when life is difficult, when things are challenging and you've gotten bad news from family or circumstances or doctors. You can run to the body of Christ, and we can love on you, encourage you, and help you go through the difficult situation that you're facing. Verse 35, and they lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as to any had needed. Again, they were very generous, and we need to be a generous people. We need to be generous in giving of our time, our talents, our treasures. We need to be a generous people. And in our final verse this morning, verse 36, um, this introduces a key figure that we'll be studying for the next couple of months in the book of Acts. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Verse 36 says, Now Joseph, a Levite, a Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means the son of encouragement. You know, I think when Luke wrote the, gospel, wrote the book of Acts, you know, he wrote it after the fact, after everything happened, he's, he's writing it down, and he puts this, which is translated son of encouragement, as in, with a view that one day this, this text will be studied and, there, and what Luke is saying here, hey, this is where Barnabas came from. The great guy that's going to travel with the Apostle Paul in his missionary journeys and be an encourager. And verse 37 says, who owned a tract of land, sold it, and bought the money and laid it at the Apostle's feet. This is what I call chemistry. Chemistry in the body of Christ 
we are going to do everything in our power, in our hands, being led by the Holy Spirit to have that same chemistry in the body of Christ at Calvary Chapel Irmo. If we know of a need, we're going to try to meet the need. We might not be able to meet them all, but we're going to try. If we know someone is hurting, we're going to encourage them. If we know someone is going through a difficult situation, we're going to circle around them and encourage them, love them, and help them because that's what Christians do. And, we, and we're going to do that for the world too. People that come in and in any way we can help them, we are going to help them. We want to follow the blueprint of the holy church, of the holy church, of the early church, excuse me. They are holy too, though, because they are set apart. Wait till next week. Next week, I, I'm not sure what my title of my message is going to be. It's going to be either God takes sin serious or maybe it might be don't lie to God. But y'all know what happens to Ananias and Sapphira. Boom! They go down. But we'll see that next week. Um, the incredible chemistry of the early church. They were one heart, one soul, one voice. There was one boldness. That was the boldness that came from Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, understanding God is sovereign. They preached. They didn't preach their church. They didn't say, come join this clique or come join this group. They said, come be a part of the body of Christ. Put your faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my hope and my prayer is God grows Calvary Chapel and, and we get firmly planted is that we follow in the footsteps of the early church as it's written in the book of Acts. And we have boldness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning's service. Thank you, Father, for this study in your word. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 37. I feel like, Lord, in my spirit this week, through, through the word of God, I was able to just have a front row seat to what was happening with the disciples in the early church. And I pray, Father God, that you'll give each one of us this morning that revelation, that spirit of revelation to know that we can have boldness in our walk with Christ, that we can have strength in our walk with Christ, that we can have courage in our walk with Christ. Lord, let faith arise in each person listening, here in person and online, and let us walk in your boldness. Humbly. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in our hearts. Seal this work in our hearts. And remind us this week that we can be confident, courageous, and bold in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father.